DJ PK and Brian Mahoney. He covers the Knicks, the Nets, and the NBA for the Associated Press. Brian, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Brian, I'm, I'm curious how it works in a market with a, with a gazillion teams, because we are focused on the Jazz, and we focus on the colleges with BYU and Utah. They're a big deal during college football season. We spend a lot of time on the Jazz, but everything rides on one team. When you're in New York and you have multiple teams going poorly, do people get a lot of angst over that? Do they only, over the whole thing as a whole, do they just focus on the one or two teams that have it going? The Nets do appear like, you know, they've got some talent, so maybe they're on the way up. But the Knicks and Nets have been down. The Jets and the Giants have been down. There have been a lot of Mets jokes over the years. People ever beat themselves up or does it not work like that in New York? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. There's always the, okay, well, we'll move on to the next season. You know, if the, you know, if the Jets start out 0-4, you say, all right, well, you know, we got the Giants. Or if the Knicks start out poorly, you say, all right, well, it'll be spring training soon. The Yankees will be going. But uh, the last couple of years, they've really all been kind of down. Uh, you know, the Yankees are the only one who's done well. And even them, not to quite the same level. But uh, the rest of them, it's kind of been, all right, well, what do we have to look forward to? <laughs> no one is really picking it up. So uh, at least this season, there is some excitement about the Nets. Uh, you know, the, the Mets change ownerships. So there's some excitement there. So there's always something that makes you say, okay, whereas you know, I guess in your market when the Jazz are bad, which luckily for the fans here, they're not bad very often, uh, there's really not <laughs> something else to turn your attention to. So when I look at the Knicks, going back to the Pacer game, they win three in a row, they lose five in a row, they win three in a row, now they've lost two in a row going into the ball game against the Jazz. I can't quite figure it out. Can you? Well, you know, it's it's really pretty simple. They they defend really well. Uh, they don't shoot it great. And on the nights when the ball goes in, this is as simple a thing as you can say, but they're going to be pretty tough to beat. Uh, they can, you know, because they, they'll hold teams down pretty well. It's a very good defensive team. They really care about trying on that end. But some nights they just don't have enough firepower. And, uh, you know, this is one of the lowest scoring teams you'll see in the league. So, uh, they're you know, they've beaten some pretty good teams on nights when, you know, they, they hit the three ball, but that just doesn't happen often enough for them to win consistently. So mediocrity can be a step forward when you've been down for a while, but it can also be a little fool's gold if there isn't a real foundation to get beyond that. You know, where is your ceiling? And if your ceiling is 40 or 43 wins or something, well, in an 82-game season, uh, you know, that, then that's, that's not good enough. That gets people fired. Do you think the Knicks here have the foundation for something that they can build on to become a 50-win team, to become a team that can win a playoff series, and go from there? Well, you know, you make a good point. And I think eventually at some point you have to show mediocrity. Uh, there, there's always been a, you know, a theory in the NBA that a lot of teams have is that if we're not going to really have a chance to win, you're better off trying to get a pick, uh, you know, being the, you know, eighth place team doesn't really do you that much good. You maybe you're better off going to the lottery, but when you've been as, you know, as bad as the Knicks have for a long time, uh, it's hard to entice guys to come. They don't see a path to winning. Uh, when you draft guys, they don't, uh, you know, you have to win some games to develop a little bit when all you're doing is losing and losing. I think it stunts your growth. And, uh, so look, if the Knicks go, uh, you know, they kind of stay the way they are now where, couple of games under 500, but they're competing. I think that would be a giant step forward for them, and I think it's something they really have to show. So on every team in the league, somebody's got to put up numbers, even on bad teams. Somebody has put, puts up numbers in terms of 
the basic categories that we look at, rebounds, assists, and, and uh, points and all that stuff. And for the Knicks, it's Julius Randle. So my thought for you, is he a legitimate player in terms of being an all-star candidate or somebody who just puts up numbers on a mediocre team? Uh, you know, I think right now he, he's in that first category. I think he's playing at an all-star level. I think his numbers have mattered. Uh, you know, that's again, 8-10 and 10 doesn't seem great, but – uh, that's pretty good for them. This was a team that started four and eighteen last year, and uh, so they're obviously playing much better. They've beaten some good teams, and he's been the major reason. He controls the offense. He works hard on the backboards. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think this is one of those situations where uh, you know a Bradley Beal kind of situation where there's good numbers he's putting up. Washington doesn't win. Uh, the Knicks have improved here, and. Uh, his numbers were pretty good last year, uh, but obviously they weren't coming in any kind of winning situation uh, this year. There are, and I think uh, certainly he has a good chance to be rewarded for that if he keeps it up. So is Dolan going to stay out of the way, or is everybody holding their breath waiting for him to create a scene that derails the little bit of momentum the Knicks are building? <laughs> well, I think they, <laughs> Knicks fans always have that fear. Uh, you know, I, I do think he has done a better job staying out of the way the last few years. Um, but, yeah, there's always that, that fear that that'll change. And not, not even necessarily just, uh, you know, meddling in basketball situations, wanting to trade guys or fire guys and things like that. It's, you know, the, the outside distractions, uh, you know, feuding with former players, uh, things of that nature where uh, they just kind of sometimes get in their own way. So uh, I do think right now uh, quiet is a good thing for the Knicks. Uh, they're kind of uh, flying under the radar. And, and I think, uh, you know, it would be best for them if that can continue. R.J. Barrett's a Duke guy, and I have this bias against Duke guys. It seems like you know they get high draft picks, a lot of them, and don't really pan out to be the player that you thought or anticipated, particularly if you're drafted in the top five, which is the case in Barrett. You know, he certainly got all the measurables and putting up decent numbers. But what do you think about his game as far as being able to increase it and being a bona fide, not a superstar, but somebody you could count on? a lot, eight out of ten games, whatever it might be, to be consistent for you? Well, number one, he's got to become a better, you know, more consistent outside shooter. Uh, you know, he's as capable of going one for ten as he is five for ten. And, and uh, you know, when that shot becomes more consistent, he'll be in great shape because I think he plays really hard. Uh, he goes to the basket very well with that nice little left hand. Uh, he's, he's certainly worked hard after last year. Last year was a disappointing rookie year. You're absolutely you know, right about that. Um, and uh, he, he took that personally. He didn't make one of the all-rookie teams and came back motivated this year. And, uh, you know, it's just some nights he's tremendous when that ball's going in. Uh, you know, we saw out to, to start this road trip that went to Golden State. He played very well that night. The, the shot was going down. But uh, he's had a you know a couple nights where he had a bunch of open looks and, and wasn't anywhere close. And, and uh, you know, no one's good enough to overcome that. Brian Mahoney joining us, covers the Knicks, the Nets, and the NBA for the Associated Press. Well, as you can imagine, Shaq's post-game, halftime and post-game comments on the last TNT broadcast about uh, Donovan Mitchell and is he good enough to lead the Jazz and is he a superstar and can he get them where they want to go and all that. So that that's a big deal here. But you cover the whole NBA. Is there anybody who's good enough to take down LeBron right now or the Lakers at a level where even though the Clippers and Jazz have similar regular season records, you already feel like you know how the playoffs are going to go. 
Well, I, I have a hard time thinking the Lakers don't win right now. Uh, you know, when you have two of the five best players in the league. Uh, I do think a couple of those teams in the West, certainly the Jazz and the Clippers, are very good teams. Uh, you know, I would I would give them a, a shot. Uh, but, you know, pick it against LeBron when, when he has a good help around him like he does there. Uh, this is a team that, that got better since last year with the changes they made in, in the offseason. So, you know, I, I don't I don't think I would pick against them right now. You know, we have obviously a long way to go in this crazy season, but but nothing I've seen so far. You know, I picked them going into the season like a lot of guys did, and, and nothing I've seen so far would make me change that. So the Nets got a ton of talent, but how difficult is Steve Nash's job? Well, you know, it's very difficult because they're not built to defend at all. <laughs> you know, this is a, you know all about offense for this team, and on nights when. Uh, when it's they're really rolling, they look unbelievable. I mean, uh, there's there's numbers that are not you know out of range for this team. 140 points and 23 pointers. They they can do that stuff routinely with the talent they have, but they can also give up almost that much. So uh, the job is to figure out how to maximize these guys so they're scoring enough, but also try and build some kind of defense that you can uh, not be in a shootout every night. Uh, you know, the teams who aren't even that good. You know, we saw Cleveland beat them twice. Uh, we saw Orlando have a big night against them offensively. Uh, you know, teams can just uh, kind of tear this team apart, and they have to find a way to at least be uh, tolerable on that end, so they can, you know, maximize what they have. So, I know it's the big three, but it sure looks like Kevin Durant is number one among equals. And how ruthless is he? I know he and Kyrie had a plan, but I don't think they knew they were going to have a shot at Harden the way it worked out. Could Kyrie get moved, and would Durant sign off on that and or encourage it? Well, I think the issue is, you know, I don't know how many teams would, would trust Kyrie right now. With yeah. You know, he's uh, obviously taking leave of absence. You know, he, he was gone for seven games. Uh, there's obviously something going on there. But, uh, you know, when you, when you make that kind of trade for that kind of money and that kind of personality, there, there's, you have to really, really, really be sure. And I don't really know who would, who would be that sure. And, and the Nets don't want to move him. He, uh, you know, he came here with Durant. They have a close relationship. Don't really know how Durant would feel about that. So, uh, for all those reasons and more, I, I can't imagine they would they would move Kyrie. Now, whether you know Kyrie and Harden can uh, you know find a way to maximize what they have together when they're both used to being the guy with the ball in their hands and, and not having to worry about anything else, that that's something we really have to watch. But uh, you know, the Nets believe they can make it work, and, and it'll, you know, a lot of that is because of Durant that he has a friendship with both those guys and, uh, you know, that he can be the one to kind of to make this all happen for them. Brian Mahoney covers the Knicks, the Nets, and the NBA for the Associated Press. Brian, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you very much. All right, there's Brian with the lowdown on Knicks, Nets, and NBA, and, yeah, LeBron, of course. It's going to be a thing all season, PK, but the Mountain, uh, regardless of what anybody says, it's, uh, it's clear what the issue is. How do, you, how do you beat this guy? Oh, LeBron you're speaking of? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's the downside of the NBA. It's been that way for over a decade. It's the most predictable pro sports league that we have. And so you're, you're always gunning to figure out ways. I mean, it's not like you hope for injury, but uh, it seems like uh, that's almost to the point of what it takes to derail him at, at 36 years of age. He's a, a medical marvel. He's certainly a basketball marvel. 
It's just uh, to be playing at this high of a level at this advanced age with so many minutes on the legs, you really got to give it up to him. I mean, he, all the credit he gets as far as being a phenomenal player, it's, it's deservedly so. But so, sure, that's, that's the thing. Everyone's shooting for that. It's like you've got the predictability in terms of who's going to win the title. You know, I think it's the NBA, and then next it's college football. Yeah, those are the two head and, head and shoulders above above everybody else. And, and for LeBron to be doing this at thirty six, I mean, I think Kobe won his last title at thirty two. I think Jordan won his last at thirty five. And Jordan had a year and a half away, you know, and didn't and didn't play all those uh, you know massive NBA minutes those three years he was in college. Obviously, LeBron started much earlier. So this is you know Magic didn't do this, Bird didn't do this. This is. Uh, I think Russell was done at 35 too. This is incredible for LeBron. Really yeah, pushing I think it was the envelope. His benefit that they didn't make the playoffs a couple of years ago. That gave him a good chunk of time off, and he was injured. He had a groin injury in that season, missed a mm-hmm. whole bunch of games, and the Lakers fell out of contention. And then they weren't in the postseason, and actually, that actually benefited him. You'd have to think. So that's what you have, and that to me, that's a negative of the NBA. And it's inherent to the league. And then you've got guys that seems like in the NBA, superstars are more willing to move and are more able to move. And when they do move, they create such a shift in the balance of power. The Lakers can go for nothing for several years as we waited out the Kobe retirement. And it was inevitable that the team is going to stink. Because it seems like that. And we see that with older coaches, too. We're seeing, like, with, with Syracuse and Bayheim, he can't. he's in his mid-60s, 70s, and he can't hang it up. And they haven't been what they were. Duke this year isn't what they are. As Krzyzewski is, what, 72, 73, somewhere in there. And so it seems like you have that. We saw that with uh, Bobby Bowden down at Florida State. It seems like it's inevitable that those situations, unless they get out early, like Jerry Sloan did, that the team is just going to stink. And so with that in mind, you have to play for that. And But then the LeBron just goes there, and they even though they've they screwed it up for so many years, then they become instant contenders. And that, to me, uh, it's hard for me to jump aboard these Laker titles or the Laker title that they had and obviously the favorite to get this year because it didn't seem like you did anything to deserve it. You know, you could say, well, the Chiefs, they, they're back in the second Super Bowl. Yeah, because Andy Reid had the foresight to draft Mahomes when the Bears are trading up to get Trubitsky and who else was in that draft. And all these teams passed on him. And it's not like it's Kobe Bryant who basically orchestrated his move to the Lakers. I don't think Mahomes orchestrated his move to Kansas City. No. Mahomes <laughs> Mahomes had a losing record in college, 13 and 16. But they saw the film and decided that was their guy. And you're right, there were plenty of other teams. And he was 10th. He was they traded up to get him. So it seems more palatable, at least to me, the casual. I'm, not, I'm a casual fan in terms of rooting interest. I'm hardcore in terms of watching. But it seems like it's, it's easier for me to accept – if KC should have a run here that rivals any run in the history of the NFL, I'm all for it because <laughs> they earned it. 
You know what I mean? It wasn't like it was just given to them. <clears throat> nope, it's a seems sal- like the Laker yeah. titles now sort of just given to them. It's it's a hard cap. You can't buy it. You know, sometimes in baseball we see teams. Well, we see them spend money poorly. But when you spend a hundred million dollars more than everybody and you spend it well, you you can get on quite the roll. And in basketball, you can go out and lure a free agent and turn things around, even though you've made a bunch of bad decisions. But in football, it's hard cap. And, and Brady moved, but mostly the star quarterbacks don't move. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has been one place his whole career. Roethlisberger his whole career. Uh, the Chargers moved Breeze five years in because they had Rivers and Breeze was coming off the shoulder surgery. So Breeze is a guy who moved, but even so, it was a traditional trade. It's not something he did. It's not something he leveraged. Yeah, but uh, they only won once. Right, yeah. So, but the star quarterbacks stay in place. You know, that's, I mean, that's the weird thing about Watson moving. If, if, if he moves... Uh, it just you don't see guys who, you know, or what is he three or four going into his fourth year, I guess, into his career, and and move. They don't. That doesn't happen. You know? Well, and they can only have the profound impact if the team is good enough. Yep. Because you're talking about Watson potentially moving. He didn't even have a playoff team. But yet we view him as an elite level quarterback. Well, if you're an elite level basketball player, you're certainly going to make the playoffs. Minimally. And probably going to go longer. And then, if you're an elite level player, somebody wants to join you. That's what's interesting with the Jazz as they go forward here. And I'm really intrigued to see how this plays out because now they've got this young chic owner in place, and he's out on social media supporting your cause. It seems like the majority of them have the same cause. Fine with me. Have the cause all you want. And he's out there. And seems like he supports this cause, and so you got stability there. And if you have it in the management, you have it in the coaching. You got this young stud. If you can't recruit now, when can you? That's what you're saying. Everything and you're going is to have cash. To recruit, yeah. You'll have the way it's set up. They set themselves up nicely to potentially have some cash. So, is there an Anthony Davis out there? Somebody like that, using him as the most yeah. recent example who leveraged his way from a mediocre situation to a great situation. Well, if you if there's somebody of his caliber, maybe that's asking too much, does he leverage his way to Utah because it doesn't have the sizzle of the market, but in terms of all the stuff that the Lakers had, it has darn near just as much, if not more. I think what you're talking about is a, is a long-term play, and we can get into that next. DJ and PK, I think there's two ways. It, there, there's two always windows. two with you. There, there are. And when, when I explain <laughs> it, you'll realize I'm right. There's two windows for this to happen. And we'll get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The Miami Heat have now decided to open up their doors, and they are going to be allowing about 2,000 fans to come in. They have brought in multiple coronavirus-sniffing dogs. Wait a minute. You mean serious? COVID-sniffing dogs? Yes. I don't know, man. Like, I would have a hard time, like, if that dog, you know, starts barking out, COVID, COVID. Like, I'm like, no, I'm fine. I feel fine. But the dog says you have it, and, like, they're like, no, you can't come into the game. See, I think you and I would be fine because we'd be holding two hot dogs in each hand. And... (laughs) (laughs) Fido, what do you smell? I don't know. It's like a creamy habanero sauce. 
Hans and Scotty. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 6 at the Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! As my man Eddie Van Halen might have written a lyric. And why did I bring up Eddie Van Halen? Because today he would have been 66 years old. So young. Also mm-hmm. Wayne Gretzky's birthday today. So young. How, how old is Wayne now? 60, I believe. The big six. Wayne oh. Gretzky, yeah. Black balloons. Watched a high school baseball game with Wayne Gretzky sitting in a folding chair among all the fans. Which one of you was screaming at the umps the whole game and almost got a coach kicked out? Oh, well, that, that was me, but that wasn't <laughs> that particular Oh, game. it wasn't that game, okay. No, no, no. This was down in Vegas at Bishop Gorman, and uh, his son was playing my uh, son's team, and and it was a tournament, and uh, Easter thing, and uh, he was just sitting over there, shorts, casual. It was a beautiful day, lawn chair. And I was talking to some guys. There was a team from uh, South Jersey outside of Philadelphia. They were there. Hockey's really, really big. And I'm talking to these kids on the team. I said, hey, do you know sitting over there? See that guy over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who that is? Yeah, that's Wayne Gretzky. And when I told them that, oh, my gosh, the whole team got so excited. <laughs> that Wayne Gretzky is just right over on the third baseline. The great one. 30 yards away from where we were sitting. And he was just sitting there among the fans because his son was playing. And he was watching them. Uh, went to that, uh, what's it, Christian something? Christian Oaks or whatever? What's that school down there? Oaks Christian. Oaks Christian, yeah. It's a, it, they put a whole bunch of Montana sent his kids there and blah. It's a real, it's in the Calabasas area. In fact, my, my cousin is a uh, neighbor, next-door neighbor of Wayne Gretzky, lives in that area. Can't miss that school. It's right on the freeway. You're driving the 101. You'll see it. And they have uh, – but that's, that's, a, that's a sports factory. Yeah. I don't, I don't really think we have private schools up here that act like that. That's, it's off the charts. All right, so before the uh, before the break, you were talking about it's intriguing. Is everything lining up? You know, you it's it's been decades of you go live in Utah, but you got a young, energetic tech owner, cutting edge. <laughs> you got a right. young, uh, you got a, a young, charismatic star who could shoot and fill it up. You know, True. if there was ever a chance you were going to go out and recruit somebody big. Yeah. And it's still a small market, and it's still cold weather, and L.A.'s still glamorous. But if you're going to do it, now would be the time. It's, it, like, this seems like the best odds, right? Yes. So paths to do that. Uh, th- there is free agency. Then there's also, as you pointed out, you know, will someone leverage a trade? Now, the Jazz would have to change philosophically. And maybe this philosophy is just, hey, this is the best path for us right now, so we're taking it. Maybe it's more deeply held than that. I don't, I don't know that I can answer that. Maybe you can. But right now, they've gone with pay the two stars and then pay four guys $10 million, give or take a little bit. You know, Clarkson's at 11.5 and Royce is at 8.5. But you, you get the point. There's four guys in the $10 million-ish range with Ingles mm-hmm. and Favors joining them. Now, if you stay with that model, they're not going to be recruiting another big star. It's a nice... Uh, sports talk radio, you know, kill a segment kind of thought, but it's not. They've got their two big money guys, and they've got four guys in the ten million range, and so that's that's going to be that. 
And and the real question with that is, well, what happens with Conley a year from now? Does he want to stay? What number are they willing to pay? What does that mean for the luxury tax? Uh, it means it means a lot of money, but I guess to what you know to what level a lot of money they want to go. But if they did decide, hey, we want to pay a third star because obviously Brooklyn is the current example, right? Pay three guys big money and then fill out the roster with. Uh, veteran minimum, exception, rookie deals, and, and try to make it work. And, and can't count on those three guys to carry the load. If the Jazz go that way, <clears throat> there's one where it's way down the road. You know, Gobert is four years older than Mitchell. A time will come, too far in the future to predict when it is, but a time will come when Gobert will be done, or at least enough on the downside, that the Jazz could go get another star player. So what happens then? assuming Mitchell's still a jazz guy then. But before then, at some point, they've set these contracts up and staggered them, a combination of guys coming available um, because they're free agents and it opens some room, and a combination of guys on expiring deals who look really good in a trade, or maybe a player who's signed a little longer. You know, Clarkson is signed out through 2024, and people could look at that as like, wow, you get that guy on that number and he's signed? You know, there could be a lot of value in that. So there's a couple different ways to put it together. But they have a couple guys coming up every year where they'd have 20 to $25 million in expiring salary. And so is there somebody who wants to come here who could come in a trade? You know, do they leverage themselves the way AD did? That was a pretty spectacular story. I don't know if it would be that. But you get the idea that someone still wants to come and play with the guys who are here. You know, mostly Mitchell, but whoever else isn't in the deal as well. So I said a couple PK, I should have said three. That combination of expiring contracts, guys under uh, contract who be dealt, and then just way down the road, because Mitchell's four years younger than Gobert, you know, there could be a window there too. To go go attract somebody and acquire them. Well, there could be a window next month. I mean, not next month, next season. And I don't know who wants to come. They haven't been in this position to where they have these two young studs and a third stud says, I want to go there. That's and, my best chance. And so, yeah, maybe they just say, fine, let's do it. And whatever we pay, that's what we pay. And if it, uh, particularly as LeBron gets 37, 38, 39. There's got to be a drop off at some point. Yeah. And maybe he'll just lose interest. Is he going to get tired of it? He's he's is he going to is he going to be better later in his career or maybe he already is than Stockton and Malone? Oh, I mean, no, he's like he eighth now in minutes, so I guess yes. he already is. He's already passed him in minutes, and it looks like he's about to go back to back. So retract that question, Your Honor. Okay, fine. He hasn't That's caught right. Malone yet in minutes. He's five thousand minutes short. Uh, but those last three years, you know, they weren't going to get it. Yeah, they weren't anywhere when Malone, Malone was still playing about two thousand minutes a season. And but the last three years, they weren't close to winning the title. So, no, no, the team had aged out. Right, and he's and, passed where Stockton was in minutes. Right. In minutes it's, played, not in age, but in minutes played. Which is what matters when you're coming into the league as a teenager, yep. as opposed to a four or five year guy. I don't remember if Stockton redshirted. Uh, his uh, college career or just played four straight. Uh, but nevertheless, the Jazz, and I I think it. I'm going to remain, which is just almost against everything that I believe in, is to be optimistic. What? This. Yeah. <laughs> because. Who are I, you and what have you done with PK? I just, to me, 
I think it's insulting to say, like this Todd tweeted at me, big-time free agents won't sign in Utah, winning won't matter. To me, I think that is insulting to today's player. I really do. I believe that today's player has a list of priorities and running around going to clubs is on the list. Social life is on the list. But I just don't think that it is – I've got to have that number one. I think that is insulting to today's player. I think it's also borderline racist to think that they wouldn't and couldn't survive and thrive here when we have a slew of guys that come back and say, I loved it here. And even if they're not viewed as the great tenure, Carlos Boozer's tenure here was controversial, minimally, right? And it was sitting out and whatnot, and he wasn't exactly a big-time fan favorite. We get when the big dog, Antoine Carr, comes to our studio when they were bringing jazz guys back and says, I loved it here. Because every time he came off the bench, they'd wolf like a dog, and he was always quotable. They were going to the finals. Well, of course he's going to like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, obvious. Yeah. It's the other guys that didn't have to that level and weren't the big-time fan favorites, and Boozer is the poster child for that, and he's telling Miami people when he doesn't know that it's going to get back to Salt Lake, and, they're of course, they're just taking the lazy way, oh, that place, and he says, no, it's not that bad. Well, now I argue strongly that it is significantly better than it was then, and You will be able to do this. I really, really believe it. That players will want to come. Because certainly many of them have wanted to stay. Some of them haven't. Hayward left. But how did that really work out for you, Gordon? I was just thinking that the other night, watching him hit the game winner for the Hornets, and then looking and thinking, well, he's getting paid, but they're they're still in lottery territory in they're the East. They're three games under five hundred, aren't they? Like seven yeah. and ten. Well, and yeah. he's scoring a ton of points, and he's, and making, he's money. making a ton of money. But great. But he's never going to have a game seven win over the Clippers, and they were all running around and jumping on each other after the game one win when Joe Johnson hit the shot. Oh up yeah, you can remember him pushing Joe Johnson yeah. when he hit that shot out on the floor. Yeah, now, then, you, you're going to have all that other stuff, but you already had it. I mean, you didn't get the shots in Boston because they got better players and younger players, and, and you got players. hurt, and everything changed. Yeah, and you got hurt five, the, yeah. two minutes into your your Boston thing. The whole plan so went out the window. It did, and it was just didn't work. Uh, didn't work like you thought it was. So, And now you go to Charlotte, and let's Michael Jordan, for all of his greatness on the court, Cannot not exactly the greatest, in, despite what that columnist for the, Char- the Charlotte right. paper said when we had him on, and he got all defensive years ago about Jordan. Jordan doesn't make good decisions personnel-wise, and it just, uh, he just he hasn't won anything, and he's been – running the show, or his people have been running the show for a good while now, and they don't look like they're any closer. <laughs> they lose Kemba Walker, and then you bring on him. All right, it's sort of a trade-off to an extent. So Hayward left, got it, but he was chasing stuff that he's never going to find. But I really believe that they can get 
there's somebody out there, or maybe they go with this model that you say, and they pay the two stars and then augment the roster with some good players. But I'm wondering, and I hope there is a test, a litmus test, as they say, and I don't even know what litmus means. I just heard it. (laughs) That they have somebody out there who's a player of renown who says, yeah, I'd be interested in going there. Whether he says it publicly or not doesn't matter. But to the folks inside the NBA world, they know it. And they go bold, and they do that. I think it can happen. I don't think it's hopeless. But I'm not the longtime guy, nor do I have the emotional investment that the fan has. I'm trying to look at it practically. And my instinct tells me it can happen, and it probably will happen, that somebody's going to want to be a part of this. Why wouldn't you want to be a part of this? Well, it depends on what your other options are. And I think that's where, even if the Jazz don't win the championship, how close you get matters. Is what we were just talking about with uh, Brian Mahoney earlier this hour, that the Knicks, nobody wants to go there because they've been so bad for so long, they don't see any path. And so if you can at least get to the middle of the league, you have a different story to tell. Now, maybe it'll get them somebody, and maybe it won't. Uh, In the case of the Jazz... You've been in the middle, top third of the league, really. You know, you've been the 8th, 10th, 12th best team, whatever. But how different is the story if you're team 2, 3, or 4? You know, if people see, wow, they are, they are so close to getting it done, and I want a ring, who can I go to that's that close to getting it done? Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I mean, Anthony Davis came to the Lakers and they weren't well, even a playoff was, team. See, he was top five. And that goes back to your point about will they be able to get somebody that good? Oh, that was what Brian Mahoney said. And I would disagree that he is not top five. But I blurted it out nonetheless because he just told me he was. Okay. <clears throat> you know, I think that, um, you know, top five is uh, LeBron and Durant and Curry, even though, you know, I know it's been a year and a half of injuries in Golden State, but I, I still think. That guy is just incredible. Um, <clears throat> and then you go past that, you know, onto DeKempo, Harden. Um, you know, do you want to put him in front of some of those guys or not? Uh, he's top 10. Oh, okay. Right. So, I'll give you that. Yeah. Uh, but those other guys, you know, we can have a big old debate. But, that'll but have LeBron to be is top second. one. <laughs> right? And the gap between one and two is looking pretty big. Oh, I left Kawhi out of that mix. What am I doing? Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, you, you, the, the thing is to get somebody in that next tier of guys, whether a guy is four or eight, there may not be that big a gap, but there's a heck of a gap between one and four. Well, I think it depends on how good one is. Yep. And one is all-time good. And so you can have a one that isn't necessarily all-time right there with anybody. And when LeBron's done, he's going to, if you want to make the argument, he's the greatest, I'm fine with it. Uh, he, you, and you can make a strong argument. Uh, but... Uh, you know he's just all that, so that's that's a fact. So your second guy, as long as he's top ten, see that's that's what'll be interesting. You know I don't know that Mitchell will ever be the best player in the league, but where will he stack up on that list? So say like you have three of the top fifteen, how far can that carry you? Mm-hmm. Depends on who number one is, and who is on that team with number one. All those things factor in. But it's intriguing going forward, and I believe, in the, and to wrap it up, the Jazz have a shot. Well, it goes back to what Kenny Smith says. They have to shoot well. Well, of course they do. That's what they do really well. If you're going to win it, you better be really good at what you're supposed to be good at. 
and they were number one in three point shooting last year. They're number two right now. They're two point. They're shooting the ball two percentage points better. But the Clippers are forty two percent. Yeah, but I'm Jazz talking over the next five years. I'm not just talking now. Yeah. Well, everything changes so fast in the NBA. It's uh, it's hard to look forward five years and know what the heck it'll look like. It's uh, what what did the NBA look like five years ago in 2016, right? And now where we are in 2021. All right, DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Ben Anderson, jazz writer for kslsports.com. Coming up at 9.05. Stay with us. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. I've seen the tweets going out. People saying Tom Brady's not that good. All this BS. When a guy goes to the Super Bowl this many times now, when are you going to start believing? Well, and then he goes to a different team and had a losing record last year. And he takes them to the Super Bowl again. When are people going to get off Tom's back? Tom Brady was not the reason that they won that game. The reason Tom's in the Super Bowl is because Matt LaFleur is a <laughs> moron and a eunuch. That was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in sport, kicking that field goal. They still had to get a touchdown. Spare me the Tom won it garbage. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, want to remind you that Valentine's Day is not far away. Flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with Zone, can make it easy. All you got to do is visit them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's Falls on a Sunday this year. You can visit Jimmy's Flowers at jimmysflowers.com. Mm-hmm. Jazz and the Knicks tonight. We've been talking big picture, long-range stuff. You got anything for the short term on this one? Or just pencil it in like the Jazz ought to win this? Oh, They're they, the better you know, team. They got to jump on them quick. Take away their will. Bury them early. Like they That's did what the I'm going 30 at the half. How many more cliches can you work in? Here? Boom. <laughs> Take away their will to fight. 14 zip, 19 to 2, 77 to 47. Bam. I like their chances if they're up 30 at half. <laughs> Good call. Uh, so, actually, I would like to see them uh, win a game and not really shoot the ball that well, but still win, you know, because I, I believe in – the Matt Harpering law of numbers, uh, as long as you got a substantial body of work. And that's the great thing about this team is that they're all veterans, right? There's no no youngsters who are playing. I mean, chronologically, uh, Mitchell is still young, but he's in his fourth year now. And it's not just his fourth year. It's his fourth year of basically being the leader of the team. <laughs> so, so in NBA leader years, he's older than four in that regard because he didn't – even even the statues, you know, Stockton was coming off the bench right from the start. You know what I mean? Who was it? Ricky Green. Ricky Green was the yep. guy. So it took a couple years to establish himself. Well, Mitchell was basically handed the ball right from the start. So even though it's a fourth year, it's a v- more than four years in a sense. So this is an extremely veteran team. So they've proven the, all these guys who are playing for them in their own right and way has proven who they are in this league. So when they do something in this league on a given night, it's really not a surprise. Who are we surprised by? Who has done anything? What are they? Uh, are they 12-4? and four? Is that the record? So what's it, 16 yeah, games? They're 12-4, and four, yes. Yeah. Who has done anything in this 16 games that says, wow, 
I didn't see that coming. I'm talking about overall performance. The uh, play of, of Mitchell driving, going baseline, jumping in the air, and then whipping the ball back out to the top of the key to Bogdanovich, and he makes it through. That was a spectacular play. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the overall performance of each of these individual players. They're eight, nine guys. Who surprised us? Well, maybe I was surprised a little bit by Niang. Couldn't hit a shot to save his life in the first part of the 16 games. But now, boom, he's catching, scoring, putting the ball on the floor, using his body, using his guile that he has to maneuver angles, get off a shot. So he's made up for that. So it's evened out. His performances after 16 games, even though he had a cold streak and a hot streak, sort of what I thought it would be anyway. So who's really surprised? Does anybody jump into your mind? Do you say, man, I didn't really see that coming. So if they have a poor shooting game and still win, that's fine because that just means down the road they're going to make up for it just using Niang as a classic example. So they've shot the ball poorly by their standards and won. I mean, when they beat the Clippers, they only shot 36% from three. And they only shot 31 when they beat Detroit. That's just that's a poor shooting night. So but they won. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fairly easily, if I recall. Uh, they, well, they were up big early, and then they frittered away most of it, and then they pulled away in the fourth quarter and won. Well, anytime so. you fritter away something, you really have to. Well, just that was ask the game yourself. where where the lead got down to five, and Quinn was mad and put the clipboard down in the huddle. Well, you got to let that clipboard thing go. Nope, it oh. lives on. That I just want an <laughs> apple fritter now. <laughs> nice. Uh, 38%. That's not a bad number. I mean, it's below their season average. That's what they shot against Portland in one from three. So has anybody so, done anything where you've said, wow? It's like you said, that they, the guys are who we thought they were. I mean, there's individual plays. I did, I, I mean, I did say, wow, when Mitchell threw that pass. Because okay, yeah, when fine. he drives, that ball's going out to the weak side, to the wing every time. But he saw the defender cutting, and somehow he levitated for a moment. He's got some serious core strength. <laughs> and and uh, reached around oh, the long arm. arm and whips that ball back to the top right. of the key. So, yeah, there are plays. But that as far as, like, play. we is there, that. I mean, the guys who are supposed to shoot it are shooting it. The guys who are blocking sh- who are supposed to block shots are blocking shots. I mean, they're... They're doing what they're supposed to do. It doesn't feel flukish. You know, there's nothing where it's like, wow, I didn't see that coming. No, we did see it coming. Now, you could argue this is the best case of what we saw coming, but that's the most you could, that's the most you could say. Well, they're all proven and tried individually, each one of them. They're, they're in this league for the very reasons that they're doing it almost basically on a nightly basis. So there's no flukage involved because this is who they are. And that's what gives me hope for this season and then going forward. You know, I was reading a Sports Illustrated in their NBA preview last night, and I got it a couple weeks back, obviously, or a couple months ago, probably a month or six weeks ago. But I was just rereading the individual. They have the synopsis on each team's. And, man, they have the Jazz like 14th. You know, and they basically said Mitchell's reached the ceiling, and nobody else on the roster presents any hope. I'm paraphrasing. I can get wow. it for you and read it literally. I'm thinking, man, they couldn't have been more off. <laughs> and maybe I'm just too much of a homer, but well, I, I can see, see where that. it's been the high end of their expect. I mean, I thought they were going to shoot the ball well. I didn't know they were going to shoot 40 percent as a team. If you if you had told me, you know. 
39% over under, I would have taken the under. But I mean, only, I still thought they were going to be top five in the league. I didn't think they were going to fall off, but I didn't know they were going to shoot 40%. Only Royce O'Neal is surprising me with the shooting percentage. Uh, maybe Niang scoring more, putting the ball on the floor than I expected. I, I think well, you know, he's just, more but, but that's the thing. He's just evening out. He's just making up for the cold streak. <laughs> he's, he, uh, I, I view him more as a catch and shoot guy, and clearly he's, he seems to be comfortable doing more than that. You know, he's not with that body of his. He's a pretty big dude. All right, DJ and PK coming up. Ben Anderson joins us next. KSLSports.com. More jazz talk on the way with Ben. Stay with us.